Sam and Kelly and Jen and Chad. Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to build disciples who love God and love people. And as a result, we would, we would walk in grace, grow in faith, gather in groups that we would then explore our gifts and then use those gifts to serve generously in and around the Brainerd Lakes area that we would produce more disciples who love God and love people, The more folks would walk in grace, grow in their faith, gather in groups, and explore their gifts, and then generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people. They'd walk in grace, grow in faith, etc., etc. Okay, so we have, we have worshipped in a number of different ways. We've worshipped through gathering, just coming together and being here with one another in and of itself is an expression of our worship. We have also worshipped through uh, singing, singing songs about who God is and what he's done, and, uh, and, and, and in different styles and in different words. And you might think, well, gosh, you know, why do we sing the songs that we do and how do we do that? Well, so Kelly kind of curates and looks at the at all, and, and, and Sean, when he leads, I'll kind of look at, at the various songs and, and try to touch on different things so that, you know, it gets us all somewhat familiar. And there might be some songs in some weeks where you go, man, I, I knew every single song and it was like that playlist was just for me. And then there's going to be other weeks where you're like, I didn't know any of those songs. And that's good. Because what that is, that means that there's somebody else that it was totally their week. And you got to participate in that much like they will participate in yours when it's your week. And so we can collectively serve one another, not always because it's just totally curated for us, but because we, we lay down our preferences at times. And it's a spiritual discipline to lay down some of our preferences and, and our, uh, you know, kind of what we would want that, that others would be served. And singing also gets us thinking along, along similar lines. We start to use similar words and even, even kind of kinesthetically or physiologically, we're actually breathing at the same time. And, and so that's kind of, a, kind of a fun thing to think about as, as we express our worship through singing. We've also expressed our worship through the giving of tithes and offerings. And in a little while, we'll do that through the, the preaching and the proclamation of God's word. But before we do that, we're going to take a time of, of communion. And the way that we do communion here at Communitas is we celebrate what is called open communion, which means that you don't need to be a member of Communitas Church to partake in communion, but we would ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And so if that is you, then come to the table. You might be in here and you're going, I'm not really sure about this church thing. I don't really know what communion is um, and, and what table. I see two cafe tables with some little shot glasses of juice and some uh, gluten-free crackers on there. What kind of supper is that? Well, this kind of supper is a supper that's not necessarily about filling us calorically, but starting to fill and move within our soul to explain to us a little bit more the mystery and the profundity of our faith. Because our faith is not one that is simply about <clears throat> excuse me, uh, doing certain works or doing certain things that we would uh, you know, gain the Lord's favor. But our faith is one that, that is identified and, and, and informed by the fact that while we were slaves and dead to our sin and had nothing to bring to the table, the Lord brought everything to the table. And this, back, this harkens back to a time when the, the nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt and the Lord heard their cries as they had been worked down to the bone, enslaved by the global superpower, and the Lord moved toward them in their affliction when they had nothing to offer 
rescued them from death and brought them to a place of thriving, to a promised land. And what we see on, on kind of a national and a macro scale throughout the Old Testament happening within the nation of Israel is, is also our personal story. And that's happening in us on a micro level. So when we had nothing to bring to the table, when we had nothing to offer, the Lord heard our cry, remembered, and moved toward us. And so when we celebrate this meal, or when we partake in this meal, we celebrate this. And by, by coming forward and grabbing this, this, this says that, yes, Lord, I identify with you. All of my hope, as we sang, is in you. This isn't anything that I can do on my own, and I'm reliant 100% on you and your goodness and your grace. And I walk and I live as a response to that. And then it also serves to remind those around us that we're in this together. And so by, by coming forward to take this, this is a public declaration that you are a follower of Jesus and that you're to be encouraged and held accountable to that end. And so we're going to take some time in silence beforehand. And this is, this is not a timed silence. This is not a timed event. We're in no hurry here. There's no football to watch this afternoon, so just exhale. You've been spinning your wheels. We've been going, going, going all week. And this is a time to, to pause. This is a time to listen to the Lord. Most of the rest of our week is going to be dictated by time and by schedule and by demands and by certain expectations. So let these next few moments, these next few minutes, be a time that's not dictated by the clock. It's not dictated by a reminder on your phone or an entry in your day timer or a to-do list in your pocket. But let this be dictated by the movement of the Spirit. And so as we're here and we're listening, not just for the Lord, but listening collectively, let's ask these questions of who is God the Father? And what has He done? How do we see the way that He is working in and throughout creation, in and throughout our lives, throughout history? Who is God the Son and how did Jesus live His life and how does that inform the way that I live my life? And then who is God the Holy Spirit and what is God the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through me? And who are some specific, you know, what are some specific names and faces, times and places where, where I've, I've just felt a stirring or an inkling or, or something within me it's causing me to do something I wouldn't naturally do. Maybe it's sharing our faith with someone. Maybe it's not sending that nasty text or email or replying out of, out of anger. And where are some places where, where the Lord has, has put you and, and has uniquely equipped you that you'd be able to share the Gospel with those around you and, and be able to to enact this kingdom around us. And if you're in here and you're just kicking around the tires of the faith and you're not really sure about who this Jesus guy is, what this church thing is all about, we're glad that you're here. This is a good people for you to be around and we encourage you to take this time of silence as well with us. Ask these same questions of who is God the Father and what has He done? Who is God the Son and how did He live His life and how does that inform the way that I live mine? And who is God the Holy Spirit? And how is the Holy Spirit working in and through me that the kingdom would be realized not only in the future but here, now, within us, and around us?
And so we're going to take some time in silence and, uh, and we're going to ponder those questions. And, and hopefully in that time, the Holy Spirit would continue to convict us of our sin, would also confirm in us what we're doing that is good, that we would continue to do, that we'd better convey the Gospel message to the world around us. And kids, man, you guys always do so good. And you can join in us. You can join with us, right? Because we, we know that while the Holy Spirit is, is big and God is, is very big, He's not so big and so proud that He doesn't come and live within me and live within you, right? You're not too small for the Lord to hear from, to, for you to hear from the Lord. And so you can take time with us as well. So I'm going to pray and uh, we'll continue on our prayer in, in silence. And then as you're ready, come on forward and grab the elements uh, to the left and to the right. Bring them back to your seats and then we will all partake of the meal together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for another day to praise You and we see the way that You've worked throughout history. Lord, and we're excited to hear and, and to learn more about the way that You've worked in and through Your people. And Jesus, we're humbled when we look at your life and, and see the way that, that you walked in obedience, that you gave all, that you were all in. There was no selfishness found in you. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue to work in and through us, convict us of our sin, confirm in us those things that we were doing, that we would continue to do them, that we would grow closer and closer to you, not that we would be justified by our actions, but that through right action we would continue to know You more fully. And Lord, all of this that we would better convey the Gospel, Your truth, Your glory, Your goodness to the world around us. As Jesus and His friends are eating this, this meal, they're gathered together and it's this specific time of year that they celebrate this and they, they celebrate with all the nation of Israel. It's like we're celebrating with all the churches around the world. And so as, as they're eating the meal, Jesus, knowing that in the coming days that His body would break, He takes the bread and He breaks it for them. And He gives it to His disciples and says, take and eat. This is My body. And as the meal lingered on, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this, this meal that you prepared before us. We brought nothing to this covenant that you've, you've extended to us. Lord, we thank you for this grace and for this forgiveness that you would use us to spread this message throughout the world, Lord, and we pray that we would walk in this forgiveness, that we would share this message with the world around us. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some blue buckets that are going to make their way around the room. Feel free to take your cup and put it in there and we will dispose of them for you. And at this time, Mr. Sam Mandel is going to make his way on up here, and uh, Sam, you can use this microphone right here. And we're going to continue our, our journey through, uh, through the Torah. So if you want to open up to Genesis 6, we'll be uh, hanging out in Genesis 6 
through 10, and Sam is going to read some selected passages. From there, we're going to be looking at, at what's called kind of the generation of Noah, and we're going to be looking uh, at, at that today. Um, and, and as we think about this and as we read the Torah, it's, it's important to remember that this isn't uh, the, the main point of, of these stories is to show the way that the Lord works the history of Israel. So uh, just something to, to pay close attention to as, as we go through that. And so Sam will be reading um, starting in Genesis chapter 6. Whenever you are ready. Verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Just a, an aside, 300 cubits equals about 450 feet in our measurement. Uh, 50 cubits is about 75 feet for the width and 30 cubits was 44 feet for the height. <clears throat> Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living creature, a living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping things of the ground, according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten, 
and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this, and he did all that God commanded him. Actually, I need to do one verse and seven. And the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Then moving on to 8.20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. And in uh, 9.1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And going to 15 to 17. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it, rainbow, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Thanks, Sam, and thank you, Lord, for your word that we're able to gather together and to read it and that we have the abundance of, of resources available to us to study them. Lord, we pray that we would not, we would not just act flippantly about those, or that we would use those for your glory, that they would change us, that we would change the world around us. Amen. Okay, at this time, kids, you can head on out toward this door over here, and Sue and Kristen and Karen and Luke and Julie and Scott and Chris and Jason all have a wonderful time prepared for you. So Lord, we thank you for these kids. We're so glad that they are here, and Lord, we thank you for the teachers that um, they would take time out of their schedule to prepare and to pray and to teach your kids. We know that it is not a second-class occupation to disciple your children. Lord, we pray that we would all continue to grow in unity with, with you and with one another, that we would show this kingdom life to the world around us. Amen. Okay. Throw the ball there. How about this section? I've seen you ball before. You can catch that. Yeah, there we go. All right, nice. 
Nice. Okay, over here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the ball. Scott, you can, I've, I've heard that you have some athletic prowess. If I toss this to you, perhaps you can, you can throw this. Do you think, now, if, I, if I'm about to, t- like, you've seen how it's gone to, to Matt and to Benjamin, so, I mean, you kind of have a little bit of an idea of what's going to happen when I throw this ball, right? And so what is that, like, what are you probably going to do almost instinctively? You know, is this, like, what are you going to do with your hands? Yeah, you're going to get them ready. Yep, there we go. Okay. Yeah, and so why are you going to get them ready? Because you, you, you've seen what's happened the, uh, the previous two times, and so, you know, there's something. So would we say that there's, there's something to, if you've, you've seen the way that a person has acted and you know the manner in which they act, it kind of tells you something and can predict a little bit about what's going to happen in the future? Would you, would you say that? Yeah, okay. Ooh, nice. Was not expecting the, the overhand toss. Always, always room for a curveball. And, uh, and so that's much of, of what we see is happening uh, in the story today, right? Um, and so just to kind of recap a little bit from last week, does anyone remember what we talked about last week? Yeah, Genesis 1 through 6. There we go. And, and so at the end of... of of Genesis 1 through 6, we've gone from, you know, just this grand paradise to just mass chaos. Everything is, is kind of coming from together. And as Sam read earlier, uh, the Lord looks out and he's just like, oh man. And, and he reacts. There's four different kind of, he goes through these four different stages. At, at first, he, he looks out and, uh, and there's regret. Not over, no regret over redemption, but, but regret over, over how things are playing out. And then deep, deep pain. Just, just think about that for a moment. I mean, we think about all, and especially if you're, if you're reading this as one of the early ancient Near Eastern writers and, or uh, listeners, and, and you're thinking about all the gods and how, they're, how impersonal and distant they are, and, and you know, they're, they're pretty much just out there to, they've cre- you know, the, the stories go that, that it's just about enslavement and power. And all of a sudden you hear the story about this God who's, who's grieved, who feels, who has this experience of pain, much like we do. And then he says, I'm wiping the slate clean. Destruction. And then he looks out and, and then grace. He sees Noah and Grace. And so he comes up to Noah and he says, okay, Noah, you, you know, you've been, you're walking with me, um, which means, you know, so the, the obedience. Okay, so that's, that's a little bit of a, that's in contrast to what we saw last week. We've got Adam and Eve, and they're, they're walking with the Lord, and, and the Lord says, i got one very simple thing for you to do. Just don't eat this fruit right here. Just eat everything else, don't eat that. And the very simple thing, they don't do that. And we see that when we don't do the very simple things, that, that sort of unravels, and then we just can't do anything. Like, it just all comes apart. And so, so Noah, is, he looks at it and says he's righteous, which means that, that he's, he's trying to reinstill you know, right order. It doesn't mean that he's perfect. It means he's walking with the Lord. The Lord has, has enabled him to walk in grace in such a way that, that he's, he's trying. He's making an effort at this. And so the Lord says, okay, man, I'm going to build an ark. There's, there's two arks in, uh, 
in the Old Testament. The only other time that this word is used is when Moses gets put in a little basket and floated down the river. And so one of the things that we're going to see throughout our time in the Torah is the way that the Lord is going to use these big pictures, kind of macro pictures, and then also micro pictures. And so kind of big, little, wide angle to zoomed in. Talk about a, a whole people, and then one individual person, us, you, me. So just something to kind of log away in the back of our mind. So, so Noah, so Noah and the Lord are having a little chat, and God says, "Okay, I want you to get some gopher wood, and I want you to build an ark." Which, when we think about, it, we always kind of picture it as this is a big boat. And really, what it is is it's, it's just kind of a big floating coffin, right? I mean, there's it's it's not like a cruise ship. There's you know because there's going to be a lot of rain, and so they they get this covering over the top of it. And, and the Lord seals it up. There's, there's no, you're not going in and out. And, and so in, in a lot of ways, much like that boat that Moses floats down, it's kind of this, this big floating coffin. But if you remember when Sam read, what else goes in there? There's, there's animals two by two, as the, the kids' songs go, but then what else is there? What other kind of animals? There's unclean animals, and there's also clean animals. Why? Well, because it's also a big floating temple. It's a place of worship. It's a place of provision. So the Lord is, is saying, hey, it's going to take some divine intervention for you all to get over this, and, and I'm going to supply that. And we're going to, we're going to wipe this slate clean, and we're going to start over. And so they're, they're floating around, and then, and then what does God do? God, God is the one that closes the door. I've always missed that. I just realized that this last week. As I was reading through, it was like, I'd always miss that. I always thought, okay, you know, I just kind of picture like the ramp and everyone's getting on and Moses, you're, you know, Noah heads on up and ditches the staircase and just waits. But no, it's just the Lord comes and closes the door. And so what does this tell us about the Lord? Our very great, very big God is also very near and very personal and provides for us and protects us and has a plan for our redemption. And so it rains for 40 days. I mean, did anybody else always think, I always thought it was like, oh, it's going to rain for 40 days? Like this was just a 40-day deal? You know, Noah's just kind of kind of sit it out for a month and a bit. It rains for 40 days, and then he has to wait it out for like another 150, and then he sends the raven out. You know why he sends a raven out? It's, there's, there's, two, there's, two, there's a raven and there's a dove, and he sends the raven out. Why? Like where do you see ravens? What do ravens eat? Roadkill, dead stuff, right? And, and a raven, will it'll just fly around until it finds dead stuff or until it dies. So Moses is like, well, raven didn't come back. Either found dead stuff or it died. Either way, not ready yet. The Lord has been pretty good so far. I'm just going to wait. Then he sends the dove out. Now the dove, unlike the raven, will not just land on on dead stuff. It's going to search and look for living things, and if it doesn't find it, you know what it's going to do? Come back. And so also there's this hope. We see that the Lord is, is providing. And so this is in a huge contrast to the, the other flood accounts and, and, and ancient Near Eastern creation accounts. And so if you're reading the words that Moses had, had written down, this would 
tell you a very different story about a very different God. It might cause you to want to become a different kind of person. So let's look at chapter 8, right in the beginning. So there's, there's the flood, they're waiting, and it says, But God remembered Noah. Now, this doesn't mean that, that the Lord looked out over the big swimming pool and just forgot that Noah and all of you know, the remaining creation is there in the big floating coffin temple. This is a different kind of word. So what this means is that when, when it says that God remembered, that means that God saw a, an issue or a situation and took appropriate action. So he moves toward, and then it says that the winds blew and the waters subside. Genesis 1. Anybody remember that? There's wind and there's water and there's separation. So we see again this sort of, you know, hearkening back to the creation account. And so we see the cosmic glory and, and just the grandness and the beauty of who God is and what He's done and what He's capable of doing. And so this wind blows and the waters subside and the people are saved. In Genesis 6, in the beginning of it, God says what? He says, I'm, I'm going to establish my covenant. It's, it's going to happen with you, Noah, specifically. He's talking individually to that one person. But we know that what God starts in one person tends to flare out through the rest of his kingdom, right? And so he says, okay. And then in chapter 9, he says, I am establishing my covenant. And so he extends the covenant not just to Noah, but to the, the rest of his family who were faithfully hanging out there in the ark. And, and, and then and I love the story because so Noah gets out. What's the first thing that he does? Sacrifices a whole animal. He says, "I'm I'm all in." Why not? Not because he, he's not like, "Oh God, like you know, give me something." He's like, "I'm alive. This is great. I've been given everything. I've been given life." As we talked about last week, I've been given everything that I need, Lord. Um. In. And so he worships not to get, but because he's been given. And so we see in chapter 6 that you know, that extends out to his family in chapter 9. But we also see that just because the Lord has, has formed this covenant with his family, what do we read at the, the beginning of the covenant at the end of chapter 8? That God knows that the people are still evil. And he's like, I, I'm, I'm going to save you because of that. So we're starting over, but you know, Noah wasn't perfect. His family wasn't perfect. In fact, I mean, we're gonna like if you read chapter ten, like it all kind of starts to come from together again. Noah screws up pretty quick, and so does his family. Right? And so the Lord isn't washing away the evil of with the flood. That's going to take a different man. And so God, again, would, would look out over creation and see the plight of his people, and he would remember them, and he would send Jesus who would go into the water and come out of the water, sealed by the Spirit, go out into the wilderness to be tempted, and then go out throughout the world proclaiming the good news of God. And he would walk in obedience. The Lord would unseal his tomb. Now the personal covenant will be made with us that we would proclaim the gospel to the world around us. 
And so what do we see that's happening with Noah? What is the Lord trying to communicate to us? What is he trying to help us to understand is that God extends grace and makes us righteous. It's God who does that. He is gracious. Our sin is deadly. And why is it important that we get that? Well, because it solves the riddle of, of why the world is a mess. Like, it's, it's super easy. I think it was Bruner that said, you know, like, or maybe uh, I can't remember who said it, but it was something to the effect of, you know, we look around and, and when we have the simple solutions to why things are jacked up, it's usually wrong. You know, there's, oh, well, this is going to happen. Well, it's because it's always because we forget the gospel. We forget what's going on within the heart of man. And so when we start to understand that it is God who extends grace and makes us righteous and that we begin to see that he is gracious and that our sin is deadly, then all of a sudden we stop trying to earn our way out. We ask for repentance. We ask for forgiveness. We walk in repentance and we walk in obedience. Because right, it isn't... Because right, Noah isn't worshiping again. Why... Noah doesn't worship so that he can get more. He, he worships because he's been given everything. So if we don't do this, we get on that hamster wheel of self-justification where we think, oh no, I've, I can manage my sin. It's cool. I recognize this sin, but I'm, I, I can do it. I can, I can change on my own. But no, we can't. Like we recognize, I mean, that's... That's what's happening in, in the first part of Genesis. Like, oh no, we can, we can do this on our own. Right? And that's three through six. Oh, we can, it's cool. We got it. And what happens? It all falls apart. And what, and then what do we see? We see that we ourselves feel pain and regret. This need for destruction and then this crying out of grace. Why? Because we've been made in the image of God. And so thankfully, the, the message of grace is that there's nothing that we can do that would make God love us more, and there's nothing that we can, could do. There's no way that we can screw up bad enough that he would love us any less. And so what do we do as a result of this? Well, we do like Noah. We respond out of obedience and we respond in faith. I'm guessing, it's not here, this is just conjecture, this is my thoughts as a broken individual, but I would venture to guess that before Noah was asked to build a really big thing, he probably took some very small steps of obedience. Because isn't that how that works? When we want the big change, sometimes it's the little change that has to happen first. A small moment of, of repentance has big implications. And so this brings up the question of, I mean, why does Noah, why does God extend grace to Noah in the first place? Why does he extend to us? Because of his nature and his character. How does Matt know to catch the ball? He's, he's seen a ball fly at his face before, so he knows to get his hands up and catch it. Just about the nature and the character of the game of catch. And so we begin to understand the nature and the character of God. We'll start to understand that and he's going to move toward us. He's going to save us because there isn't any way that we can save ourselves. So he extends that grace to us because he is good and because he is gracious. 
And so think back to how have you tried to earn it in the past? Maybe take a moment. How are you trying to earn it now? When things don't go the way that you want, what reason do we give as to why they didn't go the way that, that we thought they should have? Sometimes that gives us a little bit of an insight of what might be kind of an idol in our heart. Where are we not walking in obedience now? And then what is it like for the Lord's grace to flood your life? Where have you stepped out in faithful obedience? And what was that like? What that make you think? How did that make you feel? What was life like in that moment? And what does it look like to continue to walk with God in faithful obedience? What is the next right thing you know to do? Maybe now, maybe throughout the day, or throughout this week, find a time to, to take a moment. Like, no one praise God for the way that he's continued to be faithful in your life. And so when we hear God's voice, we remember. It's important that we remind and that we rejoice. And so let's remember that God's grace comes because he's good and because we are sinful. Let's remember that your sin isn't too great for the Lord to redeem you. And let's rejoice because the Lord remembers us and moves toward us in gracious rescue. And in that, let's stand and sing. We serve a God that moves toward us. We serve a God who provides. We serve a God who is good, who is great, who is glorious, and and who is seen in, in the grandness and the profundity of creation, yet is very near to us. It is very personal. Despite our sin moves toward us in grace. So as we go out this week, may that inform what you're doing this time tomorrow. May that inform the way that you interact with those around you, with, with those in your household those in your school, those in your places of work, your places of play. That we would also move toward people in grace when they don't deserve it. That we would show this grace, this glorious God to the world around us. There are simple carbohydrates and caffeinated beverages in the back. There are also some uh, Feel free to look over those ballots uh, for the elders and for the budget. Um, mark off on your calendar, January 26th, 5 o'clock. Here we will have dinner for you and then a meeting afterward. Go in peace. <laughs>